Hello everyone and welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler and my voice is shot. <laughs> I had a week of work, thankfully, but then I had a really intense exercise and acting class that I think just put my throat, my vocal cords a little over the top. So now I'm sipping on some hot water and honey, hoping that all just goes away. But it sounds like it might be a little more radio worthy, which I'm, I'm not complaining about. Uh, maybe just the pain. <laughs> so I will make this intro quick. It has been a very productive week, sent in a lot of auditions, booked a few things uh, that I'm really excited for. And then there are some really cool possibilities on the horizon that I'm very much looking forward to just exploring and and kind of trying to manifest that. So yeah, it's just been really, really wonderful. Still looking for, you know, the proper day job to pay the bills. But for right now, I'm happy with where I'm at. I hope everyone is having a great week. I hope you're excited for this episode because I am going back to my hometown as far as this interview goes. I'm talking to somebody who I will say has paved the way as far as working in various regions while still living outside of, you know, the normal Atlanta, Los Angeles, New York, Vancouver. And I am, of course, I'm talking about the amazing Scott Takeda, who is an actor, filmmaker, photographer based here in Denver and has a, quite a few uh, pieces in his resume that stand out amongst anything else, especially for somebody who lives in this region. I mean, you may recognize him from Gone Girl. Dallas Buyers Club, Everything Must Go. He is in the newest National Treasure TV series on Disney Plus, and he's just continuously booking work and continuously improving himself. Not only that, he has his own coaching technique that he goes into with this episode, along with you know where he came from, his upbringing, how he loved news from a young age and eventually became a reporter, and how that shifted into becoming an actor. It's just his story is really engaging, a lot of fun to listen to. He was a joy to have on the show, and I cannot wait to have him back in the future. It was just so much fun talking to somebody who is in the same region as myself, who has an expansive career, and just continues to improve his craft every single day. So, without further ado, and so I can have a nice gulp of warm honey water, <laughs> let's sit down for this interview and have a chat with Scott Takeda. My name is Scott Takeda. Good morning, everyone. It's at least morning for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, if you can't tell from my early morning voice, it's not normally that low. Uh, and I am uh, a visual storyteller, um, sometimes in front of the camera as a TV film actor and sometimes behind the camera as a director. Now, with uh, with that being said, when did your fascination, your passion for the visual, is that a cutie? I'm meeting cuties right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's taking care of his morning voice, everybody. Yeah. Uh, what When did you get into cinema or filmmaking? Like, Did it, was it acting first? Was it filmmaking first? When did that start for you? Wow. Well, way back when I was a little baby, um, I think I had a, as a child, I had a fascination with um, television news. Un, 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 maybe an unhealthy <laughs> fascination. I actually, um, way, way back in the day, I, I, I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado. And uh, the local television stations at the time were out of Denver. And um, there was a particular television station uh, called Channel 9. Uh, they called themselves Nine News. And um, I had perhaps a, a, a fanboy uh, kind of crush, I guess, on the entire news team. Not necessarily in a romantic thing, but it's like I thought they were just the, the, the coolest people in the world. Um, and and um, 
I, that's kind of where it started is I just, I probably as a eight or nine year old, I would ask my mother, mom, can I watch the news? Um, and so five o'clock, I would plant my little tushy uh, in the chair right before the the 19 inch television and, and, and watch, uh, nine news and find out about all the stuff happening not even in my own community because uh fort collins was about it still is about 70 miles uh to the north of denver and just found that world really fascinating and um you know went on to learn hey i guess i can work in that so um ended up um I ended up going a very strange route because my my um in case you can't tell uh I'm Asian and so I think there was this um we're really going far back uh there is this um unsaid pressure to get careers in scientific fields um, my dad being an engineer, my mother being an exercise physiologist. Um, and so I I feel like I had this obligation to get a bachelor's of science degree. Uh, so I, I went initially uh, into engineering uh, for electrical engineering, um, ended up hating it um, after deciding potentially to um drop out from college uh an inspiration happened that hey maybe i can get an internship at uh, a tv station so i got an internship at uh, a different tv station and was just like okay that's th that's it i'm doing this and so i ended up getting a degree and uh I, a bachelor's of science degree i changed <laughs> colleges but it still was a bachelor's of science degree in journalism um that was a key um conversation with my mom is explaining to her that i was changing majors she couldn't she it didn't matter to her she didn't care but in my mind she did uh and explaining to her but it's still a bachelor's of science degree she didn't care but you know, in my mind, she did, uh, and and switched majors, and then started to work um, in journalism, and then that's kind of how it my I started to learn how to tell stories with pictures and sound. Very very long explanation of a very simple question. So that's where it started. Wow! Did you have any aspirations at that point when you had you know gone through your internship? You were crafting these stories for the news. That you wanted to be on camera or did you decide maybe i want to be on the uh, the more like producing side of it you know it's 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 um i i only people in denver of a certain age would remember this name uh, a gentleman by the name of ed sardella was the lead anchor of nine news and i was so thrilled in college that he was an adjunct professor. So I had a chance to take him for both an anchoring class and a news writing class. And Ed was a journalist with a capital J, like an old fashioned 1960s, 70s kind of journalist. And the first thing that he said is, it's not about you. It's about the story. So yes, to answer your question, Tyler, I did have a desire to be a reporter or an anchor to be in front of the camera. But because my coach, my, my teacher at the time told us it's about the story first, I had this in my mind that um, it's, it's kind of just, just a second. I'm going to grab a prop. I'm going to grab oh, a prop. I'll be right back. Just a oh, second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, just, just so you know, um, I, I, I was coached into the way that it's not about me standing in front of the camera with my, cam with my microphone and my mic flag right here uh, 
interviewing people so I could be in front of the camera. And so to answer your question, Tyler, yes, I did want to be a reporter, but I wanted to be a reporter because it was about the story, not so I could be in front of the camera. One of the um, interesting aspects that I learned when I ultimately started shifting behind the camera is that I missed my time in front of it. And, and, and I had to, I had to kind of emotionally come to terms with, um, I think I probably had to have some imaginary conversations with Ed Sardella, didn't have him in real life. Um, but Ed, uh, yeah, I actually enjoy being in front of the camera and I'm thinking of pursuing acting so I can just be in front of the camera. Uh, but yeah, then I, I started moving behind the camera. I started to direct. So that's probably where my career uh, first expanded was behind the camera as a director producer. And then I kind of missed being in front of the camera, which is when I started uh, taking acting classes. Which is really interesting to hear somebody go the other way. You know, uh, I mean, you did have the the experience a little bit in front of the camera, but then directing, then going back in front of the camera. But did you have an internal conflict having oh. established oh. yourself as a director and a producer and now deciding to go back in front of the camera? Oh, I, I, um, I, I was to say, I, 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 I work in television film. We, we, we we're all um, <laughs> deeply um uh paranoid and uh you know self-conflicted that's that's part of you know that's part of the dna of dna of this business um so uh you know I, I think i had i think i had my own just internal conflicts i don't think i necessarily i think one of the the i had a conversation with a casting director once as a director and I, I felt like I wanted to advertise myself as a producer. So I told her I was a producer and she just flat out told me, she says, you're not a producer. She says, yeah, you produce. But she says, you're a director, you're a storyteller. And that really for me was the, one of the opening um, things for me is like, oh, that's what I do. It doesn't really matter if I'm in front of the camera or behind the camera or any of the other jobs and there's you know there's there's hundreds of jobs within our industry and they're all incredibly important and valuable and they all we all collaborate together to create this story um but it doesn't really matter i i what of those jobs that i do it's all about a passion for telling stories so yeah um and that's where it's um like on my, I think on my LinkedIn, I basically list myself as director storyteller um, because um, I think it's all about the story first. And you know what? I think a lot of artists have shifted that way in the last, you know, decade or so of becoming less of the pinpoint director, producer, storyteller, actor, and more, or I'm sorry, I included storyteller there, but uh, advertising yourself as a storyteller first and foremost. To, oh, really? You know, that, that part I wasn't aware of. I was aware of the hyphenization. Oh, that, yeah, you know, definitely. You know, director, producer, you know, hyphen, hyphen, hyphen. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't aware of the storyteller thing. So um, I, that, that was not me watching the industry. That was just me <laughs> coming to terms with who I am, I guess. No, no. It, just, it seems like, a, 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 like an internal collective decision that everyone is now more of a, you know, we're more of a storyteller than just an x y or z which i think is it's great and it's you know created a lot of wonderful projects so you know with all of that happening and you really embracing your art i do want to ask you about this shift getting back in front of the camera was it jarring how much time had gone you know by since you were really focused on that what was it like experiencing that after you know really focusing on the storytelling technical side more than anything Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say, how how did you feel about getting back in front of the camera? It's been seven podcasts just on the first <laughs> months. Uh, so let's try, to, let's try to be a storyteller and condense this to a version that people will understand. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know necessarily if there is a clear 
an easy parallel between being a an on-camera news reporter slash anchor and uh, TV film acting. So um, it it is in many ways like um, it, it's it's in many ways just like any career change. Um, whether or not you are a dentist and decide, you know what, I honestly uh, want to go into you know, novel writing, or if you are a uh, teacher and say, I, you know, I want to be a um, uh, accountant, you, you do kind of have to start from the ground floor and you just kind of need to learn what do you need to do and you need to start studying and you need to start learning what the career path is and all the unique qualifications along the way. Um, so I do feel like, um, I, I think I'm probably in career number Four or five. I'm, um, I am collectively doing both career and four and five and maybe even six right now simultaneously. Um, but yeah, in each one there is this kind of okay, we're starting over. <laughs> you know, uh, there are. I think I think once you get deeper into TV film acting, I have been able to find some back channel connections to. Uh, being on camera as a news person, but I don't think those the, the, those correlations were apparent at the very beginning. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a very jarring, you know, pivot <laughs> from from one type of on camera, you know, performance, so to speak, to another. So with that, you know, starting from the ground floor, were you looking at joining classes? Were you looking at you know talking to friends who were you know actors? You know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be particularly revealing right now. Um, not not in. Um, not that I'm coming out of the closet, uh, <laughs> but I, I just feel like it, it's an important part of the story. Um, so there was a lot of things that were going on with my life at the time. Ooh, we're gonna go deep. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and. Um, not to make light of it through the the tone of my voice, um, but I was suicidal at the time. I, I don't. I, I feel like I was in a part of my life that um, uh, I, I was not finding joy in what I was doing, and um, so I was in therapy, and um, you know, it's the classic uh, scene that you might have with me lying on the, on the couch, you know, and you have this session there with a therapist. And then the therapist uh, says, hey, okay, so we've, we've, we've talked a lot about your dad. Um, see that dot on the ceiling there? Um, that's your dad. I want you to have an angry conversation with dad and, and tell dad uh, all, all the frustration stuff that you've had. And uh, I would do that, and I would just go, Dad, ba da 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 da, -da. and that same day I would go to an acting class that my agent at the time told me, "Hey, maybe you should take an acting class." And in that acting class, um, that acting coach just said, "Hey, guys, we're just going to work on anger today." And I'm going to hand you, we're going to improvise some scenes and, um, you know, let's see if I want you to say something really angry and I would go, -da 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 -da. it's like, okay, let's pretend on a scale from zero to 10. That's a four. Let's see an eight. And I go, okay. And I would just barf up all this pent-up anger that had been in my body for years and it just after barfing up all that anger um i left that workshop going i feel so much better and um so i kept on going back to acting class largely for years for years, kind of as weekly therapy. 
And it, it, that, that's really what it was. In all truthfulness, it was weekly therapy. And then I kind of, after a while, decided this is kind of fun. And, you know, I was booking commercials. So I was doing, you know, minor, minor, minor stuff. I was like, okay, this is fun. This is a, this is a hobby. And then I started to think about how this could be a career. And here's the other thing is, you know, I feel great after acting class, after barfing up all this anger. And just so people understand, um, it doesn't really matter if I was directing all this anger that was built up inside of me at a dot on a ceiling pretending it was dad, or if I was just venting this anger at, at a, another character in the room, um, you're getting, you're releasing uh, the anger energy out of your body um and so you know after being charged i don't know 150 dollars for therapy and what 60 bucks for even not even 60 bucks like 50 bucks 40 bucks for acting class i thought oh my gosh acting class is so much better it's more fun uh so i i, I stopped doing therapy and just started doing acting and so it was one of these things where I kind of fell into this career. I, I wasn't really thinking, okay, this is a career. I was thinking, okay, this is something that would be fun. And then started taking classes, started becoming a better human being for it. And then, then decided, oh, well, this would be kind of interesting to think about it as a career. And then, that, and then once I made the decision about seven years into classes, AKA therapy, uh, that uh, this looked like an interesting career. That's when things really kind of exploded for me in that direction. I uh, I just want to say I, I cannot relate more to your experience in acting class than it being this form of therapy, you know, of having, it could be a life lifetime of uh, stress, fear, guilt, whatever, uh, but then you're placed in a three hour, you know, 400 square foot room, uh, essentially a session surrounded by, pe by people who don't judge you, that trust you and want you to, you know, release everything into the scene. And it's not going to, you know, create any long lasting <laughs> bouts. Thank God. Uh, it's just, you know, a fun exercise. But I yeah, I wanted to, to thank you for sharing that, because a lot of us right now who are taking you know, acting courses, we feel the same way. You know, it's you you could put so much more into your character because you don't feel judged for it. And it's, you know, part of your performance. You know, you're, you're channeling it. So, uh, yeah, that's I've never felt more seen than when you said, you know, seven years of, of therapy through acting. Um, but it's really cool that you. Not only were you, you know, continuously going back to class and using it as a form of therapy, but you were also, sounds like honing your craft as well, simultaneously. Uh, yeah, um, I think so. Um, <laughs> I mean, your resume speaks for itself. So. <laughs> yeah, got an audition uh, right after this. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> something. Well, as you're, you know, you're seven years into to acting classes, you're now exploring it as a possible career opportunity or career uh, journey. What did you have in mind goal wise at that point? Did you have any inkling of, you know, it'd be fun to work with this person or be great to be a series regular? Uh, were you opening your your world to those types of thoughts or were you just kind of letting things come to you as they may? Uh, oh. There's so many directions we can go with that. I'm going to choose the most politically correct thing to say and say that I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, and that I was, I, I was just kind of um, falling my way into one thing until I realized, oh, okay. Uh, this is really happening um and so, and so I, I think that's where um I, I think that's where the the power of uh intention and focus really kind of um 
are amazing little things because once you once you decide on something, um, you know the gears of the universe just shift. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I was I was booking guest stars. I was booking uh, studio feature films. I was booking. Um, I was working opposite. Uh, you know, really minor. Um, most people don't know these folks. Um, like, um, I'm not sure. Have you heard of Robert De Niro? <laughs> no, uh, he's an up and coming Colin actor, Wilson right? And Ben Stiller. I mean, most people don't know these people. They're, they're, they're kind of, uh, I mean, people think they're A-listers. You know, they're probably more Z-listers. Um, so yeah, I was working off of these really <laughs> minor people, Naomi Watts. You know, small stuff, and. Again, it was it wasn't until I started realizing, oh, what I'm doing is really um, pretty extraordinary to have the privilege to work opposite De Niro and you know Sean Penn and Naomi Watts and um, on major major multi-million dollar kinds of projects that I started to then decide, hey, what if we changed our focus? What if we said, let's do this? And then that's when it really started to shift. So I kind of locked my way into some of the earlier stuff and then it kind of took off. The other thing also that really was quite helpful, and just so everyone has a really clear understanding of what my story kind of is, um, I live hundreds of miles away from the nearest casting director. So part of my journey is um, being in the middle of nowhere land where nothing is happening, and you know, there's there's this when you when you hear advice from back then and even still now, it's like, son, you need to move to Los Angeles to work. And so I've been kind of manifesting this stuff um from the middle of nowhere. Um, but that's the that's where the directing stuff comes in. That's where all these Emmys kind of come in. <laughs> it, it back then, I was really fortunate to take a a casting director workshop in New Mexico, which there's a lot of TV film work in New Mexico. For those of you who do not know, and New Mexico would be just so everyone knows, I'm in Denver, Colorado. So New Mexico would be 500 miles to the south of that and and so you know it's like okay cool i'm i'm learning a lot i'm booking this stuff um maybe i can do more and so i did this casting director workshop um a lady by the name of sherry rhodes uh was the uh, local casting director for an amc show called breaking bad and she used to do these casting director workshops largely because the acting pool in New Mexico at the time um, were complete newbies. They're folks who had zero experience. And in order for her to have a job, she needed to be able to fill out all these smaller roles on the TV show with local actors because the production didn't have the money to fly actors in from Los Angeles for these small roles. And so it was almost a self-preservation thing for her. So she had to do these workshops with these actors to teach them, this is how you do a co-star role. So I took one of her workshops. Um, at the time she was not uh, feeling well. So she brought in her, uh, an old casting associate. And just so everyone understands, there's the casting director, her right-hand person um, is a casting associate. Pretty much does the exact same thing, but is not necessarily um, have as much experience. And then right, one level below that is a casting assistant. And so uh, she brought in a, a gentleman by the name of Joseph Middleton, who started with her at one point as a casting assistant, then casting associate, and then he went off on his own. And then he later became head of, head of casting for this really tiny company called Paramount Pictures. 
Uh, so uh, she brought Joseph Middleton in, and he's the one that said, hey, I know that you guys are in New Mexico. He didn't know I was from Colorado. Uh, and uh, you can, um, hey, if you want, you can, you can audition on tape. And he was specifically, uh, it was 2009, and he was specifically talking about how, um, you know, at the time, way back then, uh, there, there, you know, MP3s and Napster was really changing the recording industry. And he was seeing that how, how uh, small video files would be able to do the same thing for TV film. And so he was saying, yeah, put yourself on tape. And I was like, oh, I can work in Los Angeles. And sure enough, he remembered me. He emailed me saying, hey, I've got this little film called Little Fockers, which is how I got to work with De Niro. Um, I'd love for you to read for a role. And, and because I, I'm a director <laughs> that may have won Emmys, um, multiple, uh, <laughs> um, it was really easy for me to apply filmmaking techniques, right? It's like, oh, okay, just create a small little soundstage right right here in my wife's office that's cool right and i and i knew all this like filmmaking is easy if you know what you're doing right there's only one rule to audio one rule to audio there's really only one style of lighting used on every single television show and and, and feature film it's called rembrandt lighting and all it's it requires one light and if you know where to place that light, you look amazing on camera. And I'm doing I'm using it right now. No, <laughs> this is my lighting setup. Um, and 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 so I I I I I taped it and I booked it. And then I taped another one for him and I booked the hat. And and so what I've been able to do is I've been able to build a career. Uh, nowhere close to anywhere there's television film. So that's kind of my story. And, you know, that being well ahead of the pandemic that would come in 2020 and self-tapes now being a, an industry requirement for the most part. It is. I mean, and, 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 and here's, the, here's the fascinating thing. I, I, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been doing this you know, self-tape thing since... I was, I've kind of started actually initially like during the George W. Bush era, then it became one of these things where once I found out it could really happen in 2009, then I started to do it um, more specifically then. But the word self-tape did not exist. Um, it was very, very much understood for you to audition, you needed to be in the room. I mean, that was it, it, the idea of someone taping is just was never even thought part of the equation. It was it was truly Joseph Middleton who kind of sparked this thing for me. I'm not sure he sparked it for the industry, but he sparked it for me. And so, yeah, uh, for for years I was booking um, pretty regularly, and there's there's there was no one was using the word self tape. I think I was I think it was pilot season 2015. Yeah, pilot season 2015. So eight years ago, um, I'm I'm in a casting director workshop, and I didn't know the word self tape. And I I I'd asked I'd done casting director workshops earlier than that. Um, and I I just asked a question. I says yes. If we're on location somewhere, do you mind? Uh, um, how how do you, how do we handle that? Because I was booking and I would be on location and. And, and she says, you mean self-tape? I went, that was the first time I heard that word. <laughs> I went, yes, self-tape. And they go, yeah, yeah, I guess we would accept it. I mean, if you were on location, I went, cool. And that was the first time I heard that. So the word has been around for eight years. I've been doing this regularly in booking uh, for for 14 and really a little bit before that. And so, yeah, it's become the, it's become the only way to audition now. And, yeah. you know, I now teach it. I now teach this class, which I'm going to challenge you, Tyler, you should take this and then you can tell your, your, 
your your audience, what you what you feel you think about these classes, because at the end of the day, um, you know, people are actors are being asked to do something, especially to be a filmmaker. Yeah, and it's really unfair. I mean, auditioning is so hard anyway. It's so hard. <laughs> so hard. Right. And and then and 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 then now you have to be a filmmaker on the top of that. And so one of the things that I've learned over time is that um I actually think self-tape is gives you an advantage if you know what you're doing. And so one of the things that we do is we you know we we teach classes and I know there's a lot of folks out there that think they know what they're doing. Go, I got my ring light, I got my tripod, I got my little blue circle in my background. I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And I go, okay, seriously? Are you getting any traction? And they go, no, but I'm auditioning a lot. Like, okay, okay, good. And, you know, um, and, and, and the reason why they may not be getting traction, some of them are, some of them are doing great and that's awesome. Uh, but I think one people what don't realize is they're not utilizing this microphone correctly. And there's only one rule to audio. And in my opinion, this being a podcast, um, audio is the most important thing out there. And if you know how to get it, it it's where all the acting lives it's where all the subtext it's where all the emotion it's where all the story lives it's in the audio think about it i mean uh tyler it's a podcast right i know i know probably there's a visual portion of this thing uh but it's a <laughs> it's a podcast right i mean people could be just listening to this you know on their phone listening mm -hmm. you know television is not television. Television is radio with pictures. Radio came first. You don't need the pictures. Hmm. You need the audio. Yeah. If you just have the pictures, it's boring. <laughs> right? It's boring. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, so one of the things that we teach the actors, we teach them the only rule to audio. We teach them how to to make it so they're whatever microphone they're using, whether or not it's their camera or if they, we, we, first of all, we don't ask actors to invest because all you need is a wall, a window and the phone. Um, and so, but if you know how to use that wall correctly and that phone correctly and that window correctly, um, then you can get a much better tape and that's filmmaking. Because a lot of times when I walk in as a director, I'm not thinking I want to bring in $400,000 with the lighting. A lot of times it's like, you know, you sit there and you go, what is, what actually exists here? Okay, cool. I got a window coming over here. So I'm going to motivate the light from over here. And I want to augment this, but you know, a lot of times I'm not going into a location going, let's relight the whole thing. A lot of times I'm taking what's already there and augmenting it to make it more beautiful or maybe changing it. So um, as the if, if it's going to be an, uh, a, a, a scene that we need to shoot there for five hours, well, the, the sun's going to move. So it's like, okay, so the window's from here. So I'm going to put a light out there. So as the sun moves, the light never changes as we're shooting. But the reality is, is it's not about um, spending a lot of money or adding a lot of equipment it is about knowing how that equipment works and using it in a way that will make you look and sound great so that's kind of the stuff that we teach and then the most important thing for those of you watching this is this camera right here and it's the most powerful tool ever invented ever and no one knows how to use it. And we've had casting around for millennia, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing cavemen maybe <laughs> um, did some kind of school play 
<laughs> and um you know so and then they had to figure out do we do we make Oog the lead or Oogwa the lead? Mm, maybe they should audition. Uh, so so you know we've had uh this this casting process around for millennia, and only very recently have we added the world's most powerful tool ever created. And people, if you know how to use it right, um, have an advantage. And if you don't, it's a, it can be a massive disaster. So we kind of teach that as well. And, and so, and, and that's kind of how I've been able to book is because I, in many ways, I don't just do self tapes. I kind of create, I tell stories. That's the storyteller me. I tell stories as a director with my self tapes and why it, it my my tapes work and that's why yeah. my students work and that, that's why they're booking so with with the classes that you teach do you teach uh in person and online can our listeners find uh, it's, know, it's, only zoom. it's only zoom it's only zoom okay perfect yeah. we, have, we have students in canada we have students in new york and los angeles and everywhere in between um yeah, we, we have, uh, um, I, I understand that you have uh, viewers and listeners uh, in Europe and in um, uh, Australia. I know we had a student, uh, she's Los Angeles, but she's uh, she took um, an immersion in France. So she was doing a class in France. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, this little technology called Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I've loved it for the last almost three years I've been doing this show. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I study with a Los Angeles coach because I can, because of Zoom. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, speaking of storytelling, I, I know you have to have something in your arsenal working with, you know, small actors like Tina Fey and, you know Ben Stiller, but uh, I, I, I hope for the best for her. Really, yeah. I don't know if she's. Know. We'll see. Only time will tell. We'll, we'll uh, <laughs> but I, I was wondering if you have what we call a a party story on the show. So a story, an experience that stands out in your memory it could be something really humorous, which is what we usually go for. Something kind of tragic, uh, as this industry is really known for. Uh, maybe a story of rejection. But something that stands out so immensely in your personal history that you could easily recant it amongst friends at a party. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to go with the story that I've told like twice yesterday. <laughs> um, it's a simple story, but I, I it's 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 something. You know, one of the things we've been talking about we've been talking about story, 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 and and you know, I'm I'm currently teaching the 201 class right now, and we just hit the story chapter. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's so important because um, our entire industry is around story. And I have this theory, sorry actors, if I'm gonna throw you under the bus, that we actors, I think partly because of the job is so self-focused, but we, we don't think in terms of story. We think in terms of, it's all about me and what is my role and what are what is what is what are my lines what am i doing what is my motivation and and it's like oh jeez please so i tell this story it's actually it 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 it, it it's 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 as uh, a two part story so uh, one of it is i'm wearing my director cap and one of them i'm wearing my actor cap so i i i booked this directing gig um, it was, uh, we're going all the way back to, uh, in the teens, 20 teens. Uh, and I, um, I'm, 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 you know, supposed to go up there and interview some folks in Toronto. So I fly into Toronto and I'm working with a particularly, um, uh, I'll just be nice. Um, a producer that likes to go by the books. So my boss likes to go by the books. And I am told that I have this list of questions that I need to ask, you know. And, you know, I'm pretty good at asking questions. I don't know. I, I might have a couple of Emmys 
uh, that say that. Um, and so, um, so I'm like all excited. It's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You, uh, and you know, what, what types of answers are you looking? Because a lot of times it doesn't matter what questions there are. It's like, what do you need for them to say? How are we shaping this story? What, what's, what, what's, what's the answers that you need? I'll find the questions to get those answers. And, um, and, and that was not going to happen. I needed to ask question one, then two, then three, then four, then five, then six, then seven. And I need to go in that order. I could not skip forward. It didn't matter if they said something in answer one that was like, oh, cool, a cool follow-up would be answer question five. No, I had to go to two. And so, you know, I get paid the same amount of money to do a great job for you or to just follow the rules. And so it's like, all right, I'm gonna, this is one of these jobs where I'm getting paid to follow the rules. So I did my job. I asked every single person all the way straight through. And done. So immediately after that, I I am um, uh, cast this time taking my director hat off, putting my actor hat on uh, to go work for an uh, independent film called Everything Must Go. It stars this, again, kind of small time actor named Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, have you heard of him? I, I think he was on some off off Broadway show I saw years ago. Yeah, you know, he yeah. did a show called Saturday Night Live and The Office and, you know, you know, Anchorman 1 and 2 and, you know, small stuff like that. And so I'm I'm working opposite Will Ferrell. And what I think was so fascinating is I, I land, it was shooting in Phoenix, and um, I get a call from uh, Frank, the accountant. And it's like, hey, can I meet with you? And it's like, uh, cool. And just so people understand, when you work on location, um, depending on your contract, sometimes you get per diem. And per diem is just flat out cash they give you uh, that you can use to, when you're not on set, you can pay for your meals. So basically they're paying for your meals, whether or not you're on set or off set. And so it says, hey, can I meet with you in the, uh, the, the lobby area and I can get you your per diem. I went, okay, cool. So I go down. I'm, I have the script in hand and I'm, I'm reading it and he finds me and he goes, oh, did you get to that one place with the surprise? And I went, um, I'm at the place where he just went to jail. And he goes, oh, and he says, uh, I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to ruin it. So um, I'm discovering it was such a relief that everyone associated with that project um, was focused on story, including Frank, whose job is to make sure all the, the, the dollar numbers add up. But he, Frank had read the script. And then I, I work you know, a couple of days later, uh, I'm in hair and makeup, and Will walks in to the hair and makeup thing and he's so excited. And then he's talking to the the head uh, makeup uh, head um, hair person. He goes, "Do you see what I did?" And she goes, "What?" And she goes, "I didn't do anything with my hair. This is bedhead." And the the scene that he was going to be shooting, one of the scenes that he was going to be shooting, um, the, everything must go. Basically, deals with this person who's getting a divorce. Will Ferrell's getting a divorce. Not Will Ferrell, the person. Will Ferrell, the, the character that Will is playing, is getting a divorce. And his wife kicked him out of the house, locked him out of the house. So he, he slept in the front yard on a, on a, you know, a lawn chair. And so the scene that he's shooting, he needs to have bedhead. And he was all excited about the fact that, hey, um, instead of doing my hair in the morning, like a movie star would, and then going in the trailer and then having them mess it up to look like bedhead, um, I'll just wake up with bedhead and then walk in and then they don't have to do anything. And so hair and makeup were thrilled. <laughs> you know, Will was filled. And, and that's where it's like, I, I had, I, I developed so much respect for Will and Frank, the accountant, um, because everyone on that project was focused on the story that we're trying to tell. And it was such a relief from being in Toronto uh, where I had to follow the rules. And so I feel like 
there is this thing that I, I hope everyone at least hears is that we, if you're in this industry, hopefully it's because you love telling stories and hopefully, you know, we're, we're in a collaborative environment. We're all, all working together to tell the exact same story because we're passionate about the story that we're going to tell. Wow. See, I haven't seen that movie probably since it came out, but there seemed to be a very, uh, I don't know, just relaxed state to everybody that was involved. Is it like they really cared about it? There wasn't uh, any showboating. Will Ferrell was doing his thing, but it was different, and you could tell. And you know, yeah. here's the thing: it was a huge risk on Will's part because yeah. this was, this was, I think, the second time that he had done a film that was not a comedy. In fact, I remember being in the theater, uh, watching the film, and uh, a couple left, and they oh. seemed to be. I, I I couldn't hear them. But they seem to be in a little bit of a um, a tizzy. And I think it's because they thought it was a comedy. And it's not a comedy. It's a drama. Yeah. And, and Will does a really nice job in a drama, which you wouldn't expect. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was um, interesting that the we ended up improvising stuff. None of that stuff ended up making the the final cut. But um, all all the jokes were mine. Really, Will did not take any of the jokes. He he had let me do the jokes, um, and so um, yeah, that was that was a really fascinating experience just to watch him. And I, I just I, I there's so many things that Will did on that shoot. He had a binder, um, which I have. I, I went out and bought one. And he had a script in there and he, he had copious notes on his wow. character on every single page. And I remember just looking at that going, oh my gosh, he, he takes this craft very seriously. I have so much respect for him. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what? The, the longer uh, I, I read about the artists from SNL who, you know, left the show and done crazy creative things they all of them have such a deep love and work ethic for the craft it just it does nothing but impress me each and every time and it starts with the groundlings i mean it well as yeah. a groundling groundling just so everyone knows is a is a is a group as an improv school in los angeles uh, it's i think it's the best acting program on the planet yeah. quite truthfully um and because they teach you they teach you story honestly groundling teaches story yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a phenomenal training ground. Yes, you, you, you learn how to be funny too, but all of comedy is structure and all of story is structure. And if you understand the structure of story and the structure of comedy, um, then, then you can make anything funny or you can make anything sad or you can make anything nerve wracking. So great deal of respect for, for that. Yeah. Well, and, with you and teaching on Zoom, so you know you across <laughs> the world can be studying with the groundlings on Zoom. You don't have to be in Los Angeles. Well, and with you being a, a teacher yourself, I got to ask you: Do you have a piece of advice you could give our listeners that you've personally held on to? Uh, that I personally hold on to. Uh, the thing that I would say is, you know, if you if you're fortunate enough uh, to 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 live in London or uh, Sydney where you know there's a lot of TV film production there and there's a lot of really good, great coaches there. Awesome, that's great. But if you don't live there, uh, let's say you live a thousand miles away from Sydney, I don't know what that would be, Brisbane or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, Potentially take a Zoom class and study with the local coaches in Sydney. Um, if you, if you are, I, I don't know, I don't know the geography. I'm going to just say something and maybe Birmingham is like right next to London. If you're in Birmingham and, you know, take a zoom class, uh, with a really renowned, uh, acting program in London, but we're at a time in place where kind of where I was at in the, uh, aughties, the zeros of the two thousands, um, and wanting to work. Um, we can be use, utilizing this technology of Zoom, of self-tape, 
and have the ability to 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 work and to study and that's what i would suggest is the world is really flat because of zoom because of of email because of this digital platform and you know i i realized almost instantaneously once i once the pandemic hit, just so you know, I, I recur on a soap opera called General Hospital. And I was I saw that. <laughs> at the time when they shut us down for COVID. So I really, really clearly understood the impact of COVID on our industry because it's like we're shooting one day and then the next day we're not. And, Gen and Grey's Anatomy shut down and Station 19 is shut down. Everything is shut down at Prospect Studios. And so I immediately understood, okay, if this thing is as bad as it is, um, I'm going to start I'm going to start utilizing the Zoom technology, and I started doing casting director workshops a lot because I wanted to expand to New York. And you know, at, at the time that everything was shut down, I mean, casting directors had all the time in the world, and so I was able to meet with some casting directors, and then you know, Groundlings and Leslie Kahn and all these Los Angeles coaches started coaching online, and so for me. You know, maybe it's not studying in Sydney, maybe it's not studying in, in London, but for me, it was the ability to study in New York and study in Los Angeles with really phenomenal coaches. So that's what I would say to take advantage of this time period, because it's uh, now now geography doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's unfortunate that it took a pandemic. For that to happen but it was one of the greatest gifts of being locked inside for months at a time <laughs> yeah and and like the the 301 class that i teach is there's the 101 201 301 and the 401 the 301 classes that i teach once once the actors really truly understand how to do self-tape really effectively you know i put them in front of casting directors um so they can test their skills in a live setting and we just this past week had a casting director. She lives in New York. She works with a casting organization, a casting company in Los Angeles. Her assistant is a Los Angeles gal on a show that shoots in Chicago. And that's our world. That's our world right now. And so she says, yeah, she's, she has to live in all three time zones, but that's, that's our world right now. And, and, and because you don't know geography is not as important it is important but it is not as important these days yeah yeah uh but you have a really really good self-tape i have a student that just uh was on broadway really um, broadway on self-tape oh good lord and it's the tape it's the tape she always had the talent but and here's i'm gonna make one one quick pitch yeah it doesn't necessarily if your acting talent is minimal, a really good self-tape is gonna basically show that your acting talent is minimal. <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be a tr truth teller. It's going to reveal, it's gonna be like you being in the room. It's going to really showcase what you do really clearly if you have a good self-tape. And, you know, we, we there was a class that we had in March, March of last year. We had 10 students and two of the students I could tell were like, they had talent. Um, and in each class, we, uh, we had them do a self-tape each week. Each week they do a self-tape. And then uh, at a certain point in class, I have them take their actor hat off and put their producer hat on. And I have them say, hey, okay, everyone, you had a chance to look at everyone's self-tape. Self -tape who gets a call back. And the rules are real simple. If somebody says Sam and no one else agrees that it's Sam, it doesn't really matter. Sam gets a call back, right? It's like, if you mention somebody, they get a call back. And uh, these two talented actors never got a call back. Week one, never got a call back. Week two, never got a call back. Week three, they finally got their technicals figured out. Finally, they both got a call back, one of them booked. Week four, they both got a call back. The other one booked. One actor in very, very particular, she, I think it was her fourth audition ever. She's young, really young, I think 19. But fourth audition ever, she booked her first co-star. And so what 
a good self-tape does is it reveals to the decision makers all the decisions and character choices and relationship that you've created with your other characters in the room. Um, that's what it reveals. So if you have immense talent or if you have a unique take on something, it's going to come across really clearly to the decision makers. And that because we're using these 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 filmmaking techniques, which are, if you think about it, used on every single TV show and film. Why? Because the studio heads and the network executives and the directors and the producers want the audience to clearly see and hear and understand what the actors on the screen are doing. Yes. That's why these techniques have been designed over the century and a half that we've had television film. And we're just using these exact same skills. And I don't think we've we've brought it up, but as we're we're gearing towards the end of the the show, we always do shout outs and promotions. I obviously want to give a shout out to your, you know, your classes, but is there anything else you want to give a shout out to as well? Let's, let's start. What, what is your business called? So I can put uh, well, that in the show notes. I've got several businesses. Uh, <laughs> people want to follow me on, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at scottdeketa.com. You can find me there. Find <laughs> at scottdeketa for Instagram and all that kind of good jazz. So there's that. Um, S-C-O-T-T-T-A. K-E-D-A dot com. Uh, the self-tape classes uh, is my last name, Takeda Technique. So basically okay. what I've been teaching and coaching, and I have several coaches that coach the same thing too. It's called the Takeda Technique, T-A-K-E-D-A technique.com. If you want to take a look at my directing, go to takedaentertainment.com. There's a lot of websites, but I think it's got takeda.com. And TaketaTechnique.com is basically how people can kind of figure out and learn yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. That's that's perfect. <laughs> the whole time we've been talking about it, I just need to ask him which which what is a self tape <laughs> business. Yeah, the Takeda Technique, and it, we, we've got two really good instructors. Hopefully, adding two more. All the classes sell out. Um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And 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 our the actors are booking. They're booking and booking and booking and booking and booking and booking. So it's not just me. It's not like I'm this uniquely talented individual. It's just the fact that I I know how to make whatever I have, whatever choices that I'm making as a character come through very clearly on camera. Well, I may appear at some point in the future. <laughs> we have a, we have, we have we have classes in the morning, we have classes in the evening. And if you if you appear, you uh, you have to tell your audience what you feel like you're learning. Oh yeah, absolutely. If there's anything that I've held on to you the last three years, it's I, I wanna I wanna continue learning. You know, I, I need to I need to keep adopting new techniques. But uh Scott, as we're wrapping up, I, I wanna quickly say like thank you for giving me some of your morning and some of your time. Uh, I appreciate the the three very shiny Emmys you have right behind you. Uh, <laughs> three additional, they're just up there and there. <laughs> but it, it's been it's been great chatting with you. I've I've known of you for years. We're we're in the same city, for goodness sake, but never had uh, you know a chance to to run into you or, or meet you. So it's been nice uh, just chatting with you. And I have one more thing before we end the recording, uh, which I need to ask a preliminary question have you ever seen wayne's world i have okay uh most people who've been on this show have seen it don't quite remember it but there's a sequence where uh wayne leaves the you know new corporate set and garth is left to his own devices on stage and is left awkwardly mumbling and murmuring and almost kind of freaking out so we like to end the sequence, but okay, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> well, we end every episode with what we call an awkward goodbye. Okay. And it's in remembrance of that scene. So essentially what I'm just going to do is give you a silent three, two, one countdown. And when I point to you, give me your best verbal awkward goodbye. Okay. <laughs> you, you ready for that? You ready to be awkward? All right, here we go. In. Oh. Mm.
No, I, 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 I need to wrap it up. You, you, you're doing this. This is wrap up. Okay. Um, hi. Um, well, for um, Taylor Rock, um, um, goodbye. <laughs>